Welcome everyone to Let's Talk About It. So you already know it's Chanel. I told you guys that I would be back. I'm sorry it took me so long. I had to um, battle some migraines. It wasn't pretty, um, but I'm good now and we're going to get this thing going. So a little about me really quick before we jump in. Um, like I said, my name is Chanel. I'm 30. I'm in school currently for psychology and I currently work as a supervisor at a major cell phone carrier that will remain nameless. So um, this is part one of a three-part series on depression. So our first episode today is basically going to cover depression in regards to suicide. So episode two is going to cover postpartum depression for our amazing mommies. And episode three is going to cover um, depression in regards to loneliness. So we're just going to dig right in. I'm really excited to get started. Um, I received a lot of great responses from all of you or from a lot of you and I'm hoping that this type of platform or forum will be like a convenient way to raise awareness for everybody and also encourage everyone to make their mental health a priority. So without any further delay, I have a dope guest here with me today. His name is Andrew and um, he has a story to tell and I got to be honest, it's right in line with what we're focusing in on today. So I'm super grateful he agreed to share a story with us. It does show a lot of bravery to relive certain types of events that took place in your life. So thank you, Andrew, and please say hello. Hey, hey, what's happening? I like that intro. I got a story to tell. Shout outs to Biggie. <laughs> Shut up. All right, well, welcome, welcome. So how are you feeling today? Feeling good. I've been excited about the podcast here for a while now. I'm ready. Glad to do it. Yeah, I'm glad to. It took a while, but I'm glad we're finally here and getting everything situated. So before we get started, I'm going to read to everyone just a few statistics from the Suicide Prevention um, Resource Center. So suicide, it, I mean, we all know it touches everybody, no matter your race, your ethnicity or religion, um, what type of group you're in, any, you know, where you are in the country, it just affects everybody. So it takes the lives of about 38,000 Americans each year, which is wild if you sit and think about that. And also about 465,000 people per year are seen in emergency departments for self-injury. And each year over 8 million adults think seriously about taking their life and over 1 million actually make the attempt. So, I mean, that right there is crazy. It, it definitely shows you, I mean, 8 million adults, that's, that's a lot. If they simply think about taking their lives and 1 million actually make the attempt, I mean, that's crazy in itself. So it's definitely a topic that we no longer need to be quiet about. And when you don't talk about it, you like carry it around with you 24-7 and daily you're like still a victim to whoever or whatever hurts you. So you have to release it and get it out. So we're just going to go over a few things Um like I said, it's a three-part series, so this one is going to um, mainly focus on suicide and things like that. So, Andrew, how do you think your depression began? Like, where do you think it started? Well, not to be, like, in a cocky way or anything, but through middle school and high school and stuff, I was kind of like one of the popular kids, or at least felt like I was. Exactly. So I, I didn't uh, <laughs> I didn't think, it wasn't something that really came to me at that point. Mm -hmm. When I got to college, I had a relationship with a girlfriend, and, and, and then not too long after that, I guess it was a little bit in between, but I was okay for a little bit after that, but then my best friend... Uh, from high school moved away mm -hmm. and at that point is when I kind of started to that's when I definitely when I started to feel more sad and depressed and and kind of realized how much I depended on those other relationships mm -hmm. how much I needed other people to like me uh, how much I didn't 
really like myself I kind of ignored that when I had other people around especially people that I was close to so once those relationships didn't uh, my my friend I'm still I'm still super close with him Um, but once that wasn't like we're kicking it all the time kind of thing I just started to keep to myself and um, uh, another thing that I've discovered about myself after the fact is how much fear has kind of controlled me and I don't like to be out in new situations, I'm, I don't like to meet new people when I don't have to. I, I just I like to keep to myself. So it kind of slowly went from you know I'm not going to go out for the weekend or whatever to every single day I'm going to go to work and spend the rest of my time alone. Right. Um. After that, it, it kind of turned into I started smoking a lot and would just get high all the time and be by myself. So that even turned into a situation where I, I miss so much work. It's ridiculous. I was constantly, yeah, well, yeah. And I just didn't want to be, I didn't have any motivation to go and do anything. I just felt like there was no hope. Everything was, was just dark. So I didn't care much about work. I didn't care about what happened to me. I was just like, I'm going to stay home, do what I want to do and, and get high. And that was my escape to get away from things. But, uh, the more, the more isolated I got, the more the worse the depression got, right. and the the darker everything felt. And uh, I think depression is that feeling of hopelessness. It's 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 feeling like there isn't anything worth trying to fight back against. It's just this is who I am. This is how life is going to be. Oh well, this is just where I'm stuck at. Especially when you're by yourself, like if you're by yourself, you spend a lot of time alone. You have nothing but those thoughts that are just there with you, and then they just kind of consume you and it's like all you think about and for you with your friends leaving I feel like I don't know maybe they were like a support system for you you found like you know sense of identity or you know belonging you know with them and then when they leave it kind of is just like okay like now what do I do type thing right and and the other thing was even back then I was still a homebody like I'm still it was still was introvert at that time Mm -hmm. but when I had my friend was a super extrovert so I could go out with him and meet new people because I was with my friend that didn't feel as intimidating or whatever. But once he left and I didn't have anybody else like pushing me to go go out and do these things, it was just like, oh, it's up to me. Oh, well. I'm not doing nothing. <laughs> right. I'm chilling. I'll be at home. Yeah, okay. <laughs> exactly. All right. Okay. So so that's kind of how it like manifested itself in your life then, right? Like you'd isolate yourself. You'd be alone. You wouldn't want to go out to events. Like so, you went from like not really going out. Like, I go out every once in a while to, like, nah, it's just a no for me. Any event y'all throw in, don't even invite me. Definitely. Okay. okay. I was was definitely that person was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to come. And then there was always a reason not to come right before the actual event took place. I'm bailing. Exactly. I saw a meme once. It was like like Donald Duck. He was, like, all snuggled up in bed. And it was like, I'm on the way. Like, telling my friends (laughs) I'm on the way or something like that. So, yeah, I definitely understand. But, okay, so I want to ask you. When you were alone or when you spend, like, all your time alone, you, I mean, like, you were comfortable with that, right? So you didn't have a problem. Like, you didn't start to feel, like, more lonely or more isolated that you were, like, by yourself? Well, that's that's the, the weirdest thing that, that logically makes no sense at all. Right. But I think anybody that, that deals with depression and anxiety as well mm-hmm. can tell you that you think to yourself, I just want, I, at least for me, I don't want to speak for everybody, but... I wanted other people to like me. I wanted to be embraced. I wanted to have a, a group of friends. I wanted to be involved with all these things. Mm-hmm. But when it came time to actually do it, 
I also didn't want to at all. So it gets frustrating at that point when you want one thing and you know that everything that you're doing is the exact opposite. Right. But for whatever reason, there's just like a stronghold in the way that you think and feel that I just wasn't willing to change that. I just, that in my mind, the only way this was going to get better is, you know, somebody will eventually come back into my life, whether it was a girlfriend or a new friend or something mm -hmm. that would then pull me back out and I'd get back to how I was before. Right. But I was fully dependent on somebody else was going to come save me from that. I wasn't going to do anything myself. Right. And uh, I guess I may as well, we're doing the, the suicide episode here. I may as well go on to that just continued to get worse and worse. And I think the more isolated you are, the deeper that right. starts to become. I agree. And, um, you know, eventually I had, I had another relationship that ended. And when that did, I just, I fully lost it at that point. I just gave up. I was like, this is just never going to get better. This mm -hmm. is just how things are. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one, one night over the weekend, I just was like thinking about, like, I had had thoughts before about, not like actively about taking my life, but about if something were to happen, I don't care. Like right. it didn't bother me. It was almost like I almost I almost hope something does happen, but I'm afraid to actually do it myself. So hopefully something will come along and I won't have to do this anymore. But anyway, that eventually that that one night uh, randomly it was 2016. I took a bunch of pills. It's probably like 15 pills or something like that. Went up to the store and got. Some alcohol, I don't even drink, but I just drank and took all these pills and I didn't really fully know exactly what would happen, mm -hmm. but it was kind of my attempt to just say, I'm going to push it in that direction and, and not just wait for something to happen. Right. And uh, I apparently, you know, once, once everything had kicked in and I was fully out of it, I apparently was saying like some wild stuff on social media and stuff about just how I didn't care anymore and I didn't want to be here. Mm -hmm. um, so eventually I fell asleep. And I slept for, it was like over 20, 20 some hours or something. And then just completely blacked out. And I woke back up and saw, I, I have no idea how many people reached out, but it was, it was crazy how many people had reached out. Like, are you okay? I really care about you. I know you're dealing with this stuff. Just so many encouraging things. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that point in time, it just, it just really hit me. I was like, I feel like nobody cares. I feel like I'm here alone. Mm -hmm. But apparently there are a lot of people that cared about me. And uh, that was like the initial day that I decided I've got to figure out how to get past this and how to change myself. Mm -hmm. I can't just keep accepting it and saying this is this is who I am. So I eventually got that tattoo March 14th, 2016. Mm -hmm. um, that was the day that I made the decision to change things. Mm -hmm. And... Um, there's been a plenty of uh, ups and downs since then, but sure. nothing anywhere close to what the previous 10 years was before that. But what about, I want to ask you about the people though, like the people that when you, um, you know, got up and you saw all the people on your phone and stuff like that, like, do you feel like, so those people, they had no idea like what you were going through, like not even the slightest, like, you know, inkling or nothing. They just didn't know at all. Right. I mean, I'll be honest, I think there's a lot that didn't know because I had been that way for, like I said, yeah. close to 10 years. So okay. there's a whole gang of people that met me and they always knew me as that person that was kind of sad or, or dealt with a bunch of stuff. But the ones that were really close to me that had known me for a long time, they obviously knew that there was a change at some point. Mm -hmm. And I was never really shy about how 
how crappy I felt. So I think there were a lot of people that knew, but I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think that you can really force somebody to fix that or to change that. Like there's enough that people can be encouraging to me and try to help out the best that they could, but nothing was going to change until I decided to, in my opinion, at least. Okay. So yours is different. Like, I feel like when I went through my little, you know, um, bit with it, the people that reached out was like, yo, yo, I had no idea. I would never even know. And it's just like, because you didn't come talk to me. Like, you assume because mm-hmm. maybe I looked nice that day. Maybe I was smiling that day. You assumed that I was fine. You know, I had no problems. Everything was straight. But you never actually took the time to reach out, get to know me, and make sure that what I'm putting out on the outside is not just to hide, you know, how I'm really feeling on the inside type thing. So I was actually like angry at those people when they mm-hmm. reached out to me and stuff. I was like, I'm not buying it. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. y'all could have, y'all had all this time to reach out. I've been here with y'all for mad long and nobody, you know, took the time to, or took the extra initiative to reach out and be like, hey, are you good? Like nobody did that. So that's why I was asking you like how you felt about those, you know, people who reached out and stuff like that. At that point, the other thing to add on to that, though, is at that point, I was I was in such a dark place mm-hmm. that I didn't even take a second to think about, like, if it was genuine care or not. Like, mm-hmm. if, if they were actually reaching out because they cared or they would just feel bad right. if something happened and they didn't reach out. I was so desperate for anybody that cared. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't question it. No, I was like, thank God. <laughs> that makes sense. That's good, though. So, okay, so what, what can you, what can be done or, like, what have you done to get peace or to kind of like not be in that state anymore? Uh, I went to, I went to, I started going to a counselor after that, after that like initial wake up moment mm-hmm. and decided that I was going to change. Uh, I started on some medication for a while because I, like I said, I was in such a bad spot. I needed something just to help me level off my moods and be able to control where everything that went wrong didn't seem like the end of the world so you know medication is kind of a controversial subject even within this subject some people are totally for others are totally against it for me personally it wasn't anything that I wanted to be on the rest of my life but I did what I felt like I needed to do to uh, help just physically and mentally get to where I needed to to actually be able to start fighting back after the medication piece of it, like I said, I, I saw a counselor for a while and it was very helpful just to be able to get out the stuff that I was thinking because when you're sitting at home isolated, the only place that you're getting that out is just you're thinking about it. You're not getting it out really. Right. So that was definitely something that helped out a lot for me. Uh, and then I think that there's more like practical actions that I had to take also, like just trying to be productive and not just sitting mm-hmm. sitting there doing nothing. Um, little little things like, you know, starting to read or something where I just felt like I was doing something that actually was productive towards my life that helped to to do it. And I had a group of friends that I got involved with, like over that summer specifically, that just being out and around people took me out of that darkness of my house. And that was a, that was a major change that I had to make. Okay, that's good. Okay, so um, finding things to do that you enjoy stuff that you know maybe you didn't do before like you said reading some people was the gym I mean, mm-hmm. whatever and then also a support system because it sounds like with your new group of friends you kind of had you know another support system as well so i'm glad you mentioned um counseling though because i was um i was gonna ask like i don't know like why people feel like 
they don't want to do therapy or they don't want to do counseling. There's like, just like you said, with the medication, there's even like a worse like attitude towards counseling and therapists. Like a lot of things I hear is like, I'm not going to pay somebody to tell me how to feel. And, um, I'm just like, I don't really think the job of a therapist is to tell you like how to feel because nobody can control how you feel. Like, so I'm just trying to figure out like, what, what are your thoughts on why you think people initially have that, you know, that negative attitude towards counseling or therapy? I think the two the two biggest reasons are there's just a negative thought about about having to get help from right. somebody else. We like to try to deal with things ourselves and yeah. and not have to count on somebody else. Mm-hmm. I don't think a counselor or a therapist is is you counting on that person like you just said. Right. I mean, when I went to the counselor, I did most of the talking. You know, he wasn't telling me what to do. He he was listening to me and then would give me a perspective. Have you thought about maybe this is something that is causing things to be worse? Or how do you feel about this? And when you're inside yourself and thinking alone, you're only getting one perspective. You're only getting your one perspective, which is already super negative mm-hmm. and distorted because of you being in a, the place that you're in. So just having somebody else that can sound off there, a third party that has no relation to me, they have no input or bias into my situation they're simply just trying to have you thought about this have you thought about that um but i think the second reason and it's maybe a little bit deeper reason but it's hard to do because you've got to deal with stuff that you don't want to think about you've got to be vulnerable and talk about things that are super uncomfortable i'm now sitting in the in the therapist in the counselor's office i'm crying my eyes out I, I feel like I'm sitting here looking stupid, like like they don't have this happen with every person that comes in the entire day. Um, I'm not like a super, I, I've never really minded showing my emotions, so it wasn't even a thing like I was afraid of that or embarrassed or whatever, but it still just feels awkward. Yeah, it's weird that I'm dumping out all of these insecurities and stuff in front of somebody But I don't think that you can get better if you don't deal with those things. There's a lot of underlying issues or whatever that caused you to initially get to that place. And I don't think you can solve that on your own. I agree. So I definitely think it's important to talk to somebody. Um, It doesn't have to be a therapist or a counselor. It can literally be anybody in your life that you feel like, you know, can help you out. Or if some people are good just to listen, like, Sometimes Mm -hmm. you just want to unload and it's like really good to have that person there that'll like can actually listen. So even if, if anybody's listening, if you're not dealing, like anybody that's listening is not dealing with depression themselves, you could, you possibly, it could be something that unfortunately may arise for you in the future, or you could know someone who's dealing with it. This will also be a good way to like, you know, spot the signs and maybe even save somebody's life. So People can always look happy. It's important to remember that someone can look happy and not appear to be depressed. But as we all know, looks can be deceiving. Um, So we have a few questions. We have like five questions. And I appreciate everybody that um, took the time to send me questions that really wanted to know some things and some insight about suicide. Um, We have five questions from our listeners. So we're just going to I'm going to read off the questions and then um, we're going to have Andrew answer them for you guys. So the first um, question is. What can I do about suicide in the moment to prevent, like, the physical action from happening? So what can I do once I get the urge to self-harm? Andrew, what would be your answer for that? Uh, that one was is a little bit tough for me because it wasn't, like, a, a real option that I considered. 
much up until the the point that I did attempt. Um, I always had on, in the back of my mind, I'm really close with uh, my family. Mm -hmm. And just thinking about my mom, my dad, my sister, um, they, they knew I was in, you know, a, a super depressed state of mind. And I think they, more than anybody else, understood what, what I was going through. But the thought of them having to deal with just me being gone right. at that point was just... I didn't feel I, I felt too bad about that to even be able to take that step. Um, but I think I think something else that you can do is, you know, when you're in that moment, it's you and you feel like nobody cares. It's really hard to reach out to somebody yeah. because you already feel like nobody's going to listen. But if you have any close friend or family. They're, they're not going to shut you down. They're not going to turn you away if they really care about you mm -hmm. so I don't see anything wrong with you know reaching out to somebody and saying look I don't know what I don't know what you can do for me right now but I'm not okay and mm -hmm. I, I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking these thoughts I'm having these thoughts about I don't want to be here anymore and once you do reach out to somebody that can be a world of relief right. I think that's the best advice I would have on that one perfect that's perfect especially to remember y'all can reach out to people if you just need a listener to like that person doesn't always have to give you advice or give you you know they can just be there to listen to so that's perfect thank you for that and then our second question is what makes you think um nobody is there for you or would want to listen to you so do you feel like um you're a burden to others so someone asked that i'm guessing that they are trying to figure out like as the person dealing with it what makes you feel like you um like I'm not here for you or that there's no one here for you or no one you know would even want to listen to you or even that you're a burden to others I think that's just a natural thing that we kind of think of within our own minds where we kind of trick ourselves in a way to thinking that that other people don't care and it, it can be just the fact that like people get so busy and wrapped up in their own lives that they um that they just they don't know. They, they don't realize how bad the situations are like you were talking about. Mm -hmm. But like I said, man, with the any response that I had or any any time I did reach out to somebody, even though they couldn't fix it for me at that moment, mm -hmm. I, I generally had a positive response when when that was the case, because I think most people just don't know whether that's ignorance or they're, they're just not looking for things like they should be. Most people just don't realize how bad your situation is. I think a lot of us that deal with this stuff are really good at faking it, too. Yeah, so we don't let other people know uh, unless we want to. And at that point, it's almost hard to blame somebody else for not realizing that I'm not doing well. Mm -hmm. But that's what I'd say on that one. Okay, cool. I like that. So the third one is, what are the signs? This one, I mean... The, this one, like, what are the sides of suicide or depression or what should we look for? It's such a broad question because it definitely depends on the person. It could be a lot of different signs. But do you have any signs um, that you, like, know that maybe from yourself or from your own personal experience or maybe from dealing with someone else who dealt with suicide or depression, like, what's, what's something people should look for to be on the lookout for? Yeah, I, I, honestly, I think the isolation is the biggest one, at least from my own personal situation. Mm -hmm. Um if you have a friend that says, you know, yeah, I'm down to go do something or whatever, and they constantly bail on you, um, 
that usually has a, there's usually a reason behind that. I mean, there are introverted people that just prefer not to do things and they, they just can't say no or whatever to the invitation up front. Mm-hmm. But I think there's usually something behind it. There's a reason why you, you want to be alone, why you want to stay alone. So I would say as as an outsider, somebody that doesn't have depression or isn't dealing with that currently, I would just encourage you to not be afraid of of um like offending that person like if somebody continually is is bailing on plans that you've made and just stays by themselves i I think you shouldn't be like ah maybe i should leave them alone maybe they need space right i think that's kind of the most common reason why people would give of why they said they didn't reach out more to somebody because like "Ah, i just thought they needed to have some space and you know you got to take social cues or whatever and and not push too hard but i think don't be intimidated to reach out to somebody and offer help or say, you know, hey, if you don't want to do this, is it cool if I just come through yeah. or something like that? Like just come through and chill. Like. Yeah, yeah. Just having somebody else around is is a major difference. Right. Cool. Okay. So the fourth question is, can depression lead to suicide? So this one, in your opinion, what do you feel like you think depression can... This one, this one is kind of throwing me a little bit, but do you think depression can stop just there? Or like you said, I feel like you kind of explained this question though in your story, but I'll let you try, I'll let you try to answer it. That's all right. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it initially starts off like that. Like mm-hmm. you don't start to feel depressed and immediately just feel like this is too much. Um, I think people that haven't dealt with it before may underestimate a little bit how draining it is because there, there's no way for me to get out of my head. Going to sleep is the only time that I'm not thinking about how bad the situation is or how depressed I feel. So there is no escape, and that just drains and and wears on you. And the more time that passes with that, the more it's just like this is not a state of mind or this is not a tough time that I'm going through. This is just what life is now. And once you reach that point, it's like, all right, well, if I'm balancing, this is how the rest of my life is always going to be towards do I want to live anymore, it starts to seem like a more viable option to, I'm not really trying to do this for the next 60 years. Uh, And that's, I think that's when things start to kind of creep in and it turns into more of a suicidal type situation. Right. So it's like a gradual thing that happens over time. Yeah, I think so. All right. So the last question is um, what can you do in a nonverbal form to help someone who is depressed or thinking of suicide? So um, the person says that sometimes people get to the point where they can't really talk about it or feeling like no one will understand. So what can I do to show that person we can talk or get them to warm up to me or really anyone to begin to talk about it or talk about what they're going through? Uh, I mean, that one's a, that one's tough because... I think that really depends on the situation, the person, your relationship with that person, how close you are. Like, I wouldn't feel comfortable, even to this day, knowing all that I know about depression and having been through it and stuff. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't feel comfortable, like, continuously hitting somebody up that I'm not very close with right. and being like, hey, are you okay? Are you doing? How how, how are you doing? And mm-hmm. checking up, like, constantly on them because we don't have that type of relationship. But you know your friends, you know you know your family. You can tell when somebody is is just a little bit different, mm-hmm. or I, I don't feel I don't feel weird about reaching out a lot and saying, you know, just just checking in on you, because 
that alone is something that is really powerful to somebody that feels like nobody cares. Mm -hmm. Just having a, hey, how's it going, and check in a couple times a week is, is really, I think that's a, a lot bigger impact. Um, the other thing I kind of, I, I, I missed putting this into some of the earlier questions, mm -hmm. but, you know, I've, I've always been, uh, I was raised in a religious, spiritual household. Mm -hmm. So I always had a relationship with God, but during that time, I felt like he had given up on me too. Mm -hmm. So I was not doing anything spiritual or, or or anything like that, trying to reach out to God during those times. And that was another really big change in my life is when I just realized that, you know, for the past 10 years, I've been trying to figure out how I can fix this myself. Right. And I haven't been asking for his help. I haven't been doing anything to try to put myself in a better position. I just wanted him to just fix it for me. Yeah. So I say all that to kind of tie into this last question. I think it is important to pray for people and to pray about how can I help other people that may be dealing with this. Because there's a lot of situations that you would never think or know about, but I've seen things before where I've prayed, you know, how can I have an impact? How can I make a difference with people that are dealing with the same stuff that I've been through? Mm -hmm. And then the very next day, I see a Facebook post or something that is super coded, but it's very similar to the stuff that I used to say. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, you can kind of have a little trigger that says, you know, maybe this is somebody I should reach out to. And maybe it's not even a deep thing that you offer up to them maybe you just say hey you know just was thinking about you i hope you're doing well or whatever just and that can be a big difference too so i would say prayer is another another big way that you can try to help without having that verbal communication or whatever perfect okay so the um person who asked this question they they also put in the question if a small gesture or something like that to let them know you care about them maybe get them a small gift or something like that so that's actually like a part of the question but that's also the an a part of the answer as well because you don't like if it's nonverbal, it could be a small gesture it's like he said just checking up on them even though that is verbal it's still like you know a gesture like i'm trying to make sure you're good like you're okay like when i ask you how you're doing i really want to know like i really care i don't want the just the i'm fine and you know and just move on like i legit care about how you're doing so that was perfect, Andrew. Preaching too at the end. I appreciate you for that. So thank you. But so I have a question. I want to, um, as we wrap up, I want to leave with a question. I always want to leave with like a question and a challenge. So my question, I'm going to have Andrew answer, but this question is also for my um, our listeners as well. Um, and I would like you guys to send me your answers. So I'm going to show you how to send me your answers as well via the app. But the question is, what is the best lesson your life has taught you so far? So Andrew, can you answer that one? Yeah, I got. I think this one's two part for me. Okay. Um, like I said, for me, I think the initial cause of all of this starting and and going down such a, a deep path was my need for acceptance and and other people to like me. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't I didn't realize at the time that I, how much I didn't like myself. Right. And I don't think that it's possible to not eventually go into a depression if you're counting on other people to make you happy right. so I, when I got to a point when I you know in March 2016 when I first realized that I wanted to make a change that was when I first started to try to um, put work into myself and, and get to a point where I was okay with who I was and yeah. was confident in myself and then you know kind of go back to what I was just saying before it was within the last year and a half or so 
that I got a lot better when I did that, when I just started believing, believing in myself and trying to change the way that I thought about myself. But it's still kind of leveled off at a certain point. And then within the last year and a half or so is when I really started to get a lot closer to God again and trying to give things up to him. And I had to, once I reached that plateau within myself, I had to kind of realize that believing in myself and all that was very helpful for my own healing, but I still can't do it alone. I still can't do it by myself. Mm -hmm. So while I don't want to count on other people to make me happy, Mm -hmm. I also am not going to be happy just trying to live for myself either. So as I started to get kind of back into that stuff and trying to let God lead me and, and give me a purpose for my life rather than just be successful, get promotions, do good at work, care about people. Those are all nice things. Mm-hmm. But once I started to feel like he was taking lead and I was following after his purpose is when I've gotten to the point where I'm at now. And I've never, I've never felt better before. Like I said, I still have really bad days. This past week was a tough one for me, but I've gotten to a point where I know that that bad week is just a bad week. Right. It's not the, like rest, the rest of, of 2019. Exactly. It's not the rest of my life. It's just a little bad patch and you got to push through it. But I think those two things are what helped me get to a healthy place where I'm at now. That's good. I definitely like that, especially about like getting back to kind of believing yourself, loving yourself. That's definitely what self-care is all about. And it, it even ties into mental health because taking care of yourself mentally is a part, is a huge part of self-care too that often gets neglected. Like you can go to the gym, work out, be super swole. You can be Debo all you want, <laughs> but if you messed up mentally, like that's only going to take you so far. So I like that part about kind of getting back to believing in yourself, knowing yourself, and things like that. I'm all for that. I'm all for self-improvement, especially if it has anything to do with mental health. Like the stuff you're talking about, getting into reading and things like that, that's all stuff to stimulate your mind. So I'm definitely with that. So thank you for that. That was a perfect answer. But, okay, so the last thing is the challenge. So I'm always going to leave you guys with a challenge, and I want to challenge everyone listening to find someone to talk to. It's a simple challenge, but it's not really that simple if you think about it. So find someone to talk to, even if it is a therapist, even if it's not a therapist. If you feel like you don't have anyone to talk to, um, you can always, I literally mean always, call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. The number is 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255. So they're open 24-7. That's why I say you can literally always talk. You can always call them. Um, this is going to come in handy even if you do have someone to talk to. But say they might be busy, unavailable. Maybe it's 4 a.m. People need sleep, you know, people got work the next morning. So if it's a case like that, you can always still use the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. So I definitely want to hear from you guys, too, by episode two. I'm going to drop the time and dates for episode two. Um, and you guys can send me voice memos. I'm going to drop the directions on how to do that as well. I want to know about the challenge, um, who you found to talk to. I want to see, like, what did you guys talk stuff out? How was it? Would you do it again? Um, try to keep your responses, like, anywhere from two to three minutes if you can. Um, and also stay tuned for the episode two, which is going to be on postpartum depression. I'll have a guest on for episode two as well. But I want to thank everybody for listening. And one more time, I'm going to throw the number out. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. And of course, I can't end the episode without saying thank you to Andrew. I really appreciate Andrew know how nervous I was to do this, <laughs> but I appreciate you for coming on my first episode and telling your story and being brave and kind of helping me alleviate some of the nerves. So I definitely appreciate it. And also, Andrew has a podcast of his own. So can you talk to them a little bit about your podcast, please? 
Yeah, the worst part of this whole podcast experience <laughs> has been trying to come up with a name. Oh my God, we can't come up with a name for nothing. But we're still working on that. Uh, I think we can probably figure out a way to uh, put a link into the uh, into this uh, what Chanel's going to post here. So we'll figure out a way somehow to get that included. But uh, yeah, if you want to listen to the podcast, we do lots of sports music and other entertainment we have a good time so we'll have more on that shortly awesome well thank you so much and i I will vouch for them like his podcast is pretty funny like him and his friends are funny and they will have you weak so definitely check it out and thanks everybody for listening so stay tuned and don't forget to check my instagram and facebook for the updates on the next episode and the instructions on how you can send me voice memos and questions thanks again for listening let's talk about it and hope you guys have a blessed day